Hello and welcome to episode 113 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This is Ben Olson in Washington, D.C. And with me is Nathan Fox. I'm in Los Angeles. How's it going? It's raining. Dodgers lost the World Series last night. Um, I don't really care. I had fun watching it with friends. Cool. I didn't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the Nationals got knocked out of the playoffs a little while ago, so D.C. was not about baseball right now. No, and I'm just never about baseball. Even if they were in it, I wouldn't. It'd be news to me. Right. So. Right. Right. But uh, I did end up getting the LSAT uh, license plate. Oh, you did! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was in uh, a parking lot the other day, and someone was walking in front of my car, and they looked down at the, presumably the plate, and they looked back up at me in sort of a quizzical. Uh, way and then they looked back down at the plate and then they looked up at me and gave me a thumbs up and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what to expect from uh, their uh, you know initial reaction but I guess it was a thumbs up reaction or maybe they didn't know what else to do but um, yeah what so what uh what plate did you end up getting it's just LSAT just LSAT that's it LSAT yep (laughs) nice that's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, let's see. We got a, a lot of stuff to cover today. I feel like the uh, this agenda keeps getting longer and longer. Yeah, well, we just keep getting more and more emails, so we appreciate them. You can uh, email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com, and uh, we will maybe put your email on the agenda. Lately, not every email has been making it to the agenda, huh, Ben? Yeah. Sometimes we've been firing back quick emails and not adding them to the agenda. Yep. But uh, we will we will respond. We appreciate it. So we'll, we'll definitely respond. Cool. Should we jump into these or do you have any other? No, let's news? do it. All right. You want to take this first one? Sure. Um, it says, hi, my name is Lemuel. I am a senior in college and I'm taking the LSAT in December. On practice tests, my highest score has been a 145. And I would like to bring that up 10 points to a 155 or even possibly above that. I am becoming discouraged with myself because I've been practicing and getting slightly better, but I am still not finishing any of the sections in time and am scoring pretty low. I don't have money to spend on a class. What do you suggest I do in terms of free or low cost resources? Thank you, Lemuel. Lemuel? 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, So I just wanted to put this at the top of the show so that, of course, we could pimp strategyprep.com slash free and foxlsat.com slash free. These are definitely the two places to start if you're looking for free and low-cost resources. Uh, So that's Ben's free class and my free class. Again, it's strategyprep.com slash free and foxlsat.com slash free. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to point out here, you know, this is the t- a typical email that we get, right? From from a lot of people yep. who are, um, maybe they've been studying for a little while, but uh, they're, they're reaching out for some help. And, um, you know, Lemuel said, I think one thing in the email there, that's a kind of a problem, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And this is such a common thing. Uh, 
I've been getting, I've been practicing and getting slightly better, but I am still not finishing any of the sections in time. And I think that it just reflects what so many people think when they first start studying that they just have to finish that somehow that if you finish, you'll get to the pot of gold or something, but finishing is definitely not the goal. And I think what people have to realize is how many people score really high on the LSAT in the 170s and sometimes don't finish. Yeah, and routinely finish, routinely score in the 160s without finishing. I mean, yeah. I know I know people who do 20 questions per section and score in the 160s. Mm-hmm. So Lemuel here is definitely holding himself back, I think, by trying to finish the sections I mean, that's one of the reasons why he's stuck at 145, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what score do you... I mean, we shouldn't even be thinking about finishing the sections until we're, what, 165? Yeah, something like that. Because you should be getting almost all, if not all, of the questions that you attempt correct. It's sort of, um, it's sort of interesting because this, this, this sentiment is so frequent you know it's so reoccurring it's like people come up and they're they're saying you know the only problem i have with this test the only problem that's what they say over and over (laughs) again is i can't finish and i'm like okay well how many questions are you doing i'm getting to like 18 questions and i'm leaving these seven eight questions on you know on the table and i can't get to them okay how are you doing on those 17 questions well i'm you know i get about 12. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, I understand the test. Okay, well, how many are you getting correct? Uh, getting 12, 13 correct. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say that you understand the test if you're getting 12 or 13 correct out of 17 or 18. I mean, yeah. the problem with that is that some of those 12 questions that you're getting right are probably questions that you don't even fully understand, even though you're getting them right. So, yeah. uh, I'm, I mean, I, I don't want people to feel bad, but like, you need to double down and figure out the questions you're missing, um, almost certainly slow down. And once you start hitting 9 out of 10, 13 out of 15, something like that, yeah. I mean, ideally 15 out of 15, but yeah. let's start with 13 out of 15, then you can say, I'm understanding most of what I'm getting to. Uh, and what will happen? You will naturally find yourself getting through questions faster because you understand them. And then you'll say, whoa, all of a sudden I did 19 questions. I didn't, I wasn't planning on it, but I got to 19 and great. Things are starting to happen, but they won't start to happen until you start getting the ones that you're doing right. Yeah. It's interesting. I just had this thought that for every one you miss, there's probably Mm. another one that you got right, but you don't really know why. Yep. So that's that's another reason to double down on this idea of slowing down and focusing on accuracy. Because, yeah, if if you're somebody who right now you do 19 questions and you get 12 or 13 points, you have like no clue what's going on, really. I mean, you're <laughs> that's that's way too many mistakes. And there have to be a million other ones that you got like you got it right, but you didn't really do it all the way. You know, you narrowed it down to a 50 50 and you got guessed right, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um for, for Lemuel, for sure, um, as you go through our free classes and as you do uh, whatever practice materials you can get your hands on, um, really 
really focus on, yeah, 10 out of the first, you know, nine out of the first 10 or 10 out of the first 10 and, and, uh, 13 or 14 or 15 out of the first 15. If you can't do that, um, really it's like, if you can't do that, you shouldn't go to law school. I mean, I, I really do believe that. Like if you can't get to the point where you can get nine or 10, uh, on the logical reasoning out of 10, you're, you're going to have a really hard time in law school. Yeah. Not, not today. I'm not talking about your starting score. I'm just talking about, you know, after some serious practice, after months of practice with good resources, you better be able to get 10 out of 10 on, on those first 10. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Otherwise that's just a a sign that you're uh, maybe barking up the wrong tree. I wanted to add here too, that this whole discussion of getting a certain number correct out of the ones that you attempt is even more critical in the games than I think the other two sections, because when sometimes people say, Oh, I get to three games. I just need to get to four. I just can't quite get to four, but I'm getting to three. So how, how many are you getting right of the ones that you're getting to? Well, you know, I get one or two wrong per game. I'm thinking to myself, look, the games, the answers are either right or wrong. And that's also true in logical reading or logical reasoning and reading comprehension. But in the two verbal sections, you have answer choices that could potentially work if the correct answer weren't there. Like one answer choice strengthens the argument more than the other answer choice. And so there's a little more uh, nuance that people have to over time sort of catch on to. I get that. But with games, the answer is right or it's wrong, and you can't remove the correct answer and then be like, well, here's here's another answer that could work in the absence of this correct answer. There's no gradient, right, or continuum of answer choices. And so when people are getting questions wrong in the games, I'm just like, wow, you've got to slow down. And if push comes to shove, I don't like this, but if push comes to shove, at the very minimum, test out each answer choice until you know it's right or wrong because you can do that. Yeah. We're talking about 90% accuracy on the logical reasoning and the reading comprehension. Um, but we're talking about 99% accuracy or a hundred percent accuracy on the games. That's right. Yeah. Yep. All the information is there and that's, you got to train yourself to, to realize that, Hey, they gave you everything you need to know to solve this question. You have to solve it. Not not just like guess it. <laughs> you have to actually solve the logic games. Yeah, and the you, logical you reasonings it? like that too. Honestly, I mean, most logical reasoning questions are also solvable. But sorry, go ahead, Ben. Oh no, I agree. Yeah. But there are certainly cases where you yeah. have, you know better second answer, best answers. Better. Sure, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to add one last thing. Do you ever get that like on the first um, first class or maybe the first few classes where you're working through a game with some people and they like to use the word probably. They're like, you know, oh, T is probably going to go in slot two. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, wait, there's no place for probably. It either can or it can't or it must. You know, it's like. (laughs) Yeah. They say, oh, it seems like it probably would. So I'm going to put it there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or they, or like. They really confuse could be with must be. They they just like, oh well, X. Yeah, they they see that it would work that X went second, so they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well I'll just put X there. Yep. And so now what you're doing is you're building 
a working scenario, but the mm-hmm. game might have a hundred working scenarios in it. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? Yeah, you you should be writing down things you know for sure. Mm-hmm. So if you're limiting places where people can go, that's good. If you are figuring out exactly where people must go, that's way better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's never just arbitrarily putting things places. Yeah. Huh. In any case. Um, Moving on. Yeah, let's do this next one. So this cool. is a, a a few episodes ago. I don't know when it was. It we had, had to be some like email, but... 20 or 30 episodes ago. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, it was... It's a while. Uh, we had an email about protective hairstyling, and uh, from what I remember, neither of us knew exactly what was going on there. And this listener, um, Lady Day, writes in and says, "Yeah, let's just hold on. Just give some context. It was um, it was to do with um the photo, the LSAT uh, photo requirement." And a, a listener, oh, yeah, okay. yeah mm-hmm. and a listener had written in about her um, that she had switched to a protective hairstyle, and she was worried that um, they weren't going to recognize her at the, when they were when she was checking in for the test. And mm-hmm. Ben and and I, being super dorky white dudes, had no idea what she was talking about. So we've got we got an earlier email with a similar. <laughs> enlightening us about protective styling but here here's here's another email that we just got about protective protective styling and i'm sorry that we're just now getting this on the show yeah um dear nathan and ben first i want to say i love your podcast thanks Uh, i've been listening to it at work every day and your tips have been invaluable for my lsat prep which i'm taking in december i uh, I took your advice on slowing down and understanding the stimulus and coming up with predictions and then choosing an answer, and it's been awesome help. Anyway, I'll up to you, update you on how I did on the test after I take it, but I wanted to address something on episode 80. Oh, yeah, there it is. Episode was. Yeah, okay. That I don't know if you got your answer to about protective hairstyling. Protect, protective styling means a style that you put your hair in that prevents you from have, having to do it again for a while. While any woman can wear them, it's most common with black women because of our kinky and tightly curled hair texture that also makes it prone to more damage from excessively styling it. Depending on what you do to it, it can make you look a little different, but that has nothing to do with how your face looks, and only a dumb person would say you look completely different. Okay. That said, <laughs> and she's referring to potential LSAT proctors there. <laughs> I mean, she's not, yes. she's, not refer- she's not referring to our previous correspondent. <laughs> she's talking about <laughs> potentially a, a, uh, an LSAT proctor. I mean, but you know, there are dumb people across the, across the country. So it's, uh, <laughs> in certain parts Wait, of the are country. Are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am quite sure that there are dumb people everywhere across the country, Ben. Um, I think we received confirmation in November or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think it, it is a legitimate concern. Yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> just um, just uh, reading this. Okay. That said, I am Muslim also, and my photo upload had me wearing a scarf. So the day of the test in September, I made sure to wear a scarf just in case the dumb person happened to be a proctor or an administrator. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've attached photos for your convenience. Okay. Keep up the good work. Lady Day. Yes, you can use my name. Thank you. 
<laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. I didn't put the photos on here because I, 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 she didn't give permission to share them explicitly. So I wasn't sure if I should put the photos on our website. But anyway, protective hairstyling, that's what it means. And uh, yeah, we're learning things, huh, Ben? Yeah. Awesome. Um, dear Ben and Nathan, feel free to use my first name if read for the podcast. After listening to several more episodes of your fine podcast, I have decided that my previous email could be better. So do not read that one and use this one instead. Okay. I don't, I hope we didn't already. Anyway, I don't think we did though. Um, my LSAC GPA is a 3.04. My LSAT has gone from 148 cold to an average of 160 with a month of study using almost exclusively practice tests, Ben's score tracker and the podcast. My GPA is low because I went into college with the idea that I wanted to go to law school. Wait, <laughs> can we stop right there? <laughs> yeah, I sorry that bumps me. I had to reread that sentence. Well, surely that's a typo. Okay. My GPA is low because I went into college without the idea I wanted to go to law school. Oh no! Well, no, maybe we have to read the rest of this. Okay, let's keep keep going. going. My GPA is low because I went into college with the idea that I wanted to go to law school. Then I decided not to do that and spent my sophomore and junior years taking all kinds of science classes with the goal of being a doctor. See, that's why your GPA is low. That's a bad first sentence. (laughs) Don't say that. Well, it's a bad first sentence. Yeah, don't put that in your personal (laughs) statement. Um, no. Okay. So the reason why you have uh, a low GPA is because of these, uh, doctor science classes that you took during your sophomore and junior years. I learned I was very squeamish when it comes to biology and also not very good at math and science. I graduated as a history major and did very well my freshman and senior semesters. Is this a good enough explanation or should I say something else in an addendum? I think it's a terrible explanation. I think you definitely need to say something else. Yeah. I mean, you just need to say it better for one thing. What you need to do is... Put data for one thing. Exactly your GPA without the science classes. Yep. Without the science classes and then with the science classes. uh, And then just point out that you're better suited for... (laughs) I don't even know if you need to say that. Just leave it at that. Yeah. What do you think about maybe leaving out the freshman thing? It's it's too like flighty to say, well, my freshman year, I did really well because I wanted to go to law school. Then I decided to be a doctor. So then I, my sophomore and junior year, oh. then I sucked. Then I, would I changed just say, my yeah. mind again. Yeah, I agree. I know this, there's too much here. I would just say I was exploring... Um, science classes to see whether I might want to become a doctor or something like that. And I decided that I do not want to become a doctor. Uh, These classes were not something I'm interested in or something like that. And um, then just say what your grades are with those classes and then without those classes. Yeah. Don't see. Don't also don't put it off on squeamish about biology. Yeah, that that has no place in the application. I don't think just I was exploring these because it's totally fine to explore stuff. Just say you yeah. explored stuff and you turned out you didn't like it. And so 
you let them fill in the gaps. They're like, oh, well, that's why you didn't do well. And um, it looks like you do better in other things, which is kind of what law school is focused on. So we'll hopefully somewhat kind of subjectively ignore these classes and maybe on some level look at your higher GPA and take that into account when we're considering you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, this is like only going to come into play when when he's at the margins anyway, sure. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't put your squeamish about biology and not very good at math and science. You put, you were exploring a career in the medical field and you took a lot of very difficult math and science classes mm-hmm. before discovering your true passion of law, blah, blah, blah. And then point their attention to the fact that you got a 4.0 your senior year. Yeah. Um, which I hope you did get a 4.0 your senior year. Um, okay, anyway. I am half Asian. Should I write a diversity statement? I do not feel compelled to do so. I have had the race talk with friends and my parents, but I do not think that makes me very special. But maybe I just do not think it is special because it has happened to me. Hmm. Thoughts? Well... I think it depends entirely on where you grew up and what your circumstances were. I mean, I'm just thinking about my own experience. I grew up in Palo Alto, California, and I have no idea what percentage of the population is Asian. But thinking back to all my high school friends, I feel like the vast majority of them were Asian. So I don't know what it would be like to be Asian in Palo Alto or California or the Bay Area. But I can imagine that would be a very different experience than being Asian somewhere else. Mm, um, yeah. And so I I think you really have to think about the experiences you've had and figure out whether the, how, how much of an impact race had on your experience. I, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes... F- People think that a diversity statement is solely about race, where it does not have to be by any means. It could have to do with your religious upbringing, your even your family's experience, um, how, you know, how how much money your family made compared to your neighbors. Um, I think a lot of different things can create a situation where you are different and thus have some perspective that other people might not have. And I think that's what they're really looking for. They're looking for people who are going to come into the classroom and they're going to have a different mindset or different frame of reference when it comes to these legal issues. And they want those perspectives so that the class discussion is not monolithic and solely focused from one point of view. They also want to see you advocate for yourself, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if lawyers are advocates, they want you to advocate for yourself here. And so if they ask you how you're going to bring diversity to the law school classroom, uh, I think you need to answer that question in the affirmative, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Are you going to bring diversity? Well, of course I am. Uh, You know, and, and everybody, everybody can, everybody does. I mean, I'm a white guy, but I would totally answer that question positively and talk about whatever makes me different, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Ryan could very well write it about race. I mean, yeah. So whites and Asians are overrepresented in law school. 
that said, mm-hmm. being half anything is different. And, you know, you're, you can write about the experience of being half whatever. Mm-hmm. And write about the difference maybe between your mom and dad. Or yeah. the difference between your mom's culture and your dad's culture. Or, yeah, like Ben said, you could t- you, you don't even have to write about race. You could write about maybe you're the only Republican in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, or um, the uh, only Democrat in Houston or whatever. Like You can, there's a lot of different ways you could do this thing. So I, I do think you need to make the case. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I want to ask about law schools. I want to be a prosecutor, meaning I'm not counting on a huge paycheck. Should I even care about law school rankings or attend one in a state I want to live in that will give me the best scholarship? Thanks, Ryan. The latter. <laughs> yeah, don't pay for law school, uh, especially yeah. at your with your numbers, man. Three point oh four, and a you know, like hopefully get to one sixty. Uh, or sorry, no, he's averaging one sixty, so one sixty five. Um, but you're you're not gonna get into top 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 schools with a three point oh four. So I think this is a clear. Just go to the best local school in a place where you want to live regional law schools. It sounds like Ryan is not married to any one place geographically. Yeah. Which is good for Ryan. Um, Hey, Thomas Jefferson. What do you think Thomas Jefferson gives Ryan with a uh, 160 and a (laughs) 3.04? That sounds like a full ride. It could be. It could be, yeah. I could be high enough on the LSAT that it's like just the auto full ride Yeah, with the grades are a little low though. So I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but you know, check it out. They publish their scholarship matrix right on their website. So that's a good starting point for someone like Ryan. Yep. And yeah, I'm not saying you can't go up from there, but use that as a baseline. Like, Hey, this is what I know I'm worth. I know for sure there's a law school that will give me a JD for free mm-hmm. and then work from there. But that should be, you know, that should be your expectation. That should totally be your goal. Uh, 100% go to law school for free, Ryan. Don't pay a dime. Yeah, you have the score to do it, so. Yep. P.S. Going to law school is not my backup plan because medical school did not work out. I have given it a lot of thought, formulated a specific plan, and have a good reason for going. I can elaborate if necessary. Eh, not necessary, Ryan. We already talked about your whole deal. Um Best of luck. Uh, Let us know when that scholarship offer comes in so we can celebrate for you. Yeah. All right. Next one, Ben. Hey, Ben and Nathan. Exclamation point. Call me Karen, please. Exclamation point. First of all, thanks so much for this podcast. It was one of the several invaluable resources that helped me overcome my hesitation about taking a gap year and retaking the LSAT. Wow. Good. Yeah, this is a lifelong career you're getting into. You might as well do it right. Yeah. I have a 3.8 GPA and a 159 LSAT on record. Good. I took the LSAT for the first time after studying on my own while on my own while completing an internship far away from home. In hindsight, I was studying all wrong and was implementing pretty bad advice while simulta- simultaneously getting pretty burned out from an internship that required long hours. Fast forward to today, and after my wake-up call in the form of the 2017 application cycle, 
I have just taken the September LSAT. Before this test, I was self-studying much more effectively and taking at least two practice tests a week, scoring consistently from 170 to 173 with a few high scores over 175. Wow, yeah, this is going to be... <laughs> well, we'll see what happens in September. I w- it's already out, so Karen, if you can give us an update, that'd be great. But um, this is just worlds apart from 159. Oh, my and, God, yeah. Like that, especially, boy, with that GPA. Yeah, you great You can hear GPA. the door to Harvard and Stanford opening up with that improvement. So, yeah, taking an extra year... <clears throat> To completely change your life and your career, yeah, worth it. Mm-hmm. If I hopefully performed similarly similarly on the real test, I would have a gap in my LSAT scores of eleven or so points. In your opinions, would this warrant an addendum? Man. It does, doesn't it? I mean, that's only what if they ask you. Only if they ask you. I think. See, here, my my thing with this is it's always like, well, this is such good news. Why do they care? But Anne Levine always says that you do need to explain it. Do you know what her rationale is? Or I do not why know why. That? No, we should put that on the list. Um, it's a nonsensical question for them to ask. You know, if if uh, if law schools, hey, law schools, are you listening? Admissions, admissions, folks. If anybody's <laughs> listening, it doesn't matter. That does that. Who gives a shit if they improve? They improved by eleven points. Good. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why would you? What possible explanation do you care about? So that's why I just say, if they really want to know, I, I feel like you should let them let them ask you. I, I just can't imagine. Oh, they were going to admit you, but now they're not because you didn't put in an addendum, and they didn't ask you. Yeah. In that case, they're idiots, and you don't want to go to that school. It's it seems strange to me though because like kind of like what you're saying is doesn't everyone know that everyone starts out with lower scores and goes <laughs> up from there it just so happens that this one is on record so I, I don't know it doesn't seem that earth shattering or surprising well, I don't know what yeah it's like what they're expecting to catch you like you're gonna you're gonna put like well I cheated the second time <laughs> 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 oh shit I shouldn't have said that damn. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> you asked, so I had to explain. <laughs> I just don't know what what they're going to get out of that answer. No matter what you say, I I had diarrhea the first time. <laughs> that just, that's just gross. <laughs> well, well, what? What is it? What did I get out of this question? It makes no sense. So, it does make no sense. Here, here's the one question that I think might be legit, and that's if you take the LSAT multiple times, right? Like this is twice. Let's say you're taking it three, now four times, or something like that. My explanation would always be my practice tests were score. My practice test scores were higher than my actual test, so I decided to um, persist until I could do what I knew I was capable of capable of it's like boom how can yeah. you argue with that you every know? single person could always write that for that question yes. yeah and it shows persistence and commitment and you take this seriously yeah know? so there we go so there's we wrote your addendum for you karen it's <laughs> my practice test scores indicated i could do better so i took it again yep <laughs> see, you. <laughs> see you on the other side <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, so she goes on, I completely own that my first score was due to my own lack of diligence, but I think I could put a positive spin on it. No, don't mention that. Don't even. And explain, 
<laughs> how it was a learning experience nope. for me. Nope. nope. <laughs> I truly do believe that the setback of earning a score below my potential was a good opportunity for me to mature, own my mistake, and correct it. That's great. Keep it to yourself. That's between you, <laughs> yourself, and us. <laughs> yeah, because that's just what I, it's nice, whatever, but it's muddying the waters, right? Yep. If they're the only, their only possible concern is that they think you're not smart. That's the only, you know, they, they think that 159 indicates your actual intelligence. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, yeah, that was my, you know, I, I didn't really work hard enough at it. They might then read that and go, oh, well, all right. So that's how smart she really is. But then she worked her ass off and got up to a 170 and we're not that impressed. Mm-hmm. So I like our explanation a lot better. My practice test scores indicated I could do better, so I took it again. Yep. And and then let them just think that you, you know, that there was a, your practice tests were always at 170 and you just happened to have a bad day. Yeah. She goes on, oh, if an addendum is warranted, any advice on what to focus on or how to best express it? Okay, we just said that. I'm hoping to attend a T14. Yeah, you should. So I'm a little nervous about the disparity in scores. Don't be. Yeah, no big deal. Put, uh, yeah, if you feel like you really have to put that one sentence addendum, go ahead. But I really feel like it can't be an issue. If they don't ask you about it, I just have a hard time seeing how that's going to be an issue. But anyway, Karen, let us know what you actually got. And um, yeah, thanks for writing. What, sorry, one last comment on this. Sure. I remember reading a book, and I don't remember what book it was or even who it was about or whatnot, but the person that the book was about, maybe it was Musk, maybe it was Bezos, maybe it was – I don't know who it was. I think it was a while ago, so it might have been Rockefeller. But the person said that the fundamentals of a deal drive the deal in the vast majority of cases. Is this so, a Donald Trump book? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I haven't read anything by Donald Trump except (laughs) tweets. (laughs) Okay. And even then, I only read it because it made the news. He is the best deal maker. Oh, yeah. I okay. I don't want to use that word now, but um, I thought it. It was a. It was a. It's a point that has stuck with me because it was. It was. I can't. Gosh, I wish I remembered more about the details. But it was in the context of. Um, talking about, um, you know, this book was not about negotiating and it was not by Donald Trump. Gosh, dang it. That's, this makes this whole like story sound stupid. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that stupid man. Okay. So anyway, um, the point was, is that it was, the business was growing and they're, you know, trying to make deals or, or uh, negotiating with other companies and things like that. And um, a lot of emphasis was being placed on, oh, you know, how do you negotiate? How do you get this deal? And this person was basically the, the CEO of this company was like, look, at the end of the day, the fundamentals of the deal, whether it's valuable for the individual or not, um, you know what? Actually, I, I now remember now that I'm talking about it. it was Musk. It was Musk. And he was talking about it in the the in light of um, uh, electric cars. So this was involving Tesla. And basically the idea is that um, 
the reason that electric cars hadn't taken off before is because the fundamentals of the deal, the transaction between the car maker and the buyer was that the cars were too expensive. And when push comes to shove, you can only do so much in terms of trying to make people excited. At the end of the day, what you get and how much you have to pay is going to be the fundamental driver of the transaction. And so the reason I'm talking about all this in relationship to Karen is that she's worried about how this looks But at the end of the day, the fundamentals are going to drive this transaction, the fundamentals being her 170-whatever and her 3.8. At the end of the day, people can't look beyond that, and and they're they're squabbling about stupid things if they are, right? Like that's going to drive them. They're going to say, look, who cares? This is is a quality student. They're going to help our rankings. This is going to push her application through. And yeah. the same can go against people who have low scores. You can hope that your soft factors are going to get you in. But at the end of the day, your LSAT score and your GPA are the fundamentals that are driving the transaction between you and the law school. And so you can't lose sight of those. Yeah, that's a good point. And I like it that you're referring to it as a transaction because that's absolutely what it is. It's a deal. Uh, you're buying something very expensive. They want to sell it to you. And uh, <laughs> they don't want to sell you a JD because of you didn't explain the improvement in your LSAT scores. That makes no sense. They're, they're looking at the fundamentals, which is yeah, your LSAT score, your GPA, the, yep. the big stuff yeah, and your personal statement and a million other things before they look at, Oh, well, did she write an addendum about her LSAT increase? Yeah. If they're thinking about that, they already want you. So I, yeah, I think you're fine. Hey, um, <clears throat> news item, Ben, this is not going to come. Uh, this, this episode will not air until this is uh, already water under the bridge. But did you notice that they extended the late registration deadline for December? No. When did they do that? Uh, I just saw it yesterday on Twitter and I uh, retweeted it, but late registration deadline for December, 2017 LSAT extended through Tuesday, November seven. Did they say why? No, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Cause they, the last tweet that I had from them was the day before the October 25th late registration deadline. Yeah. And then they didn't say anything. They waited a week past the alleged late registration deadline Mm -hmm. and then tweeted that they had extended it through Tuesday, November 7th. Um, I can speculate. Yes, I'd love to hear your speculation. They didn't sell enough seats for the December test, so they want to sell more. That's what my first thought was. And I'm actually looking up the data right now. I'm curious what it was for the September test. Um, Hmm. Okay. Well, any other thoughts? That's it, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, <laughs> I don't. If anybody has any insight, uh, <clears throat> we would love to hear it. But that must be, that must be what's going on. They, um, I think, I think applications. I, I, was, I just think that it has to be like down. I, I think there's so many good reasons for people to like not be going down this path right now. So this is the GRE coming in and slapping them in the face again, don't you think? They're like, we just have to be more flexible and more. Oh, amenable. I see what you mean. They're they're being they're being a little more flexible, a little friendlier. Yeah, because of the um, because of the competition. So Possible. I'm looking. 
I'm looking at the data right now. The lowest point was in 2014, 2015. We had 101, 102,000 people take the LSAT that year. Uh, the following year, 2015, 2016, there was 106,000. 2016, 2017, we had 109,000. So the numbers are slowly climbing back up. Um, so they are getting test takers, uh, which, yeah, does make it seem like maybe this is a cry from the law schools, right? They're saying, hey, we need more applicants this cycle. Please let more people take it in December because if they take it in February, you know, it's starting to get really late in the cycle and yada, yada. Yeah. I I mean, you're extrapolating from data there you know, a trend that may or may not actually exist. If you say it's been, you know, it's going up, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, we won't know until the full data is in from this year, right? So, Oh yeah, for this year, it could be going down. Absolutely. I'm yeah. just looking, I'm just curious what's been happening. I don't know, over the yeah. last three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised at all if it's down this year. You know, they, mm-hmm. they... <laughs> There's, I don't know, there's just the sentiment out there. It's starting, I'm reading all the time headlines about, you know, the problems with law school, uh, which there are many of. So, um, yeah, they got, they got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, and this, back to the original point, I guess, or the point you made, Ben, was that this is good for test takers. Um you know, I'll tell my students it's it's not going to be out on the podcast, but uh, in time. But I'll I'll definitely tell my students that the deadline has been extended, and maybe some people will take it that weren't going to be able to. Yeah. Cool. Um, me or you? I think it's you. Me. Okay. Um, please don't use my name. I work full time, but try to do one to two time sections during lunch, reviewing in the evenings then doing a full test and review on the weekends. Wait a second. How do you do two timed sections during lunch? I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. That's quite a lunch break. Um, That's an hour, 10 minutes at a minimum, and then you're not reviewing. Yeah, you're fired if you take that long of a lunch and work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I take an hour lunch in my classes all the time. Um, Okay, so it's one to two time sections during lunch and reviewing in the evenings. All right, okay. I'd prefer do one section and review it right away. Yeah, and then do the other one at night and review it. Yeah. I'm feeling good about my study routine. Oh, sorry. My question in regarding the essay, oh, is regarding the essay portion. Should I be practicing this? No. I've always been a pretty good writer, so I've essentially put it out of my brain for the time being. Good. How much do law schools look at and consider the LSAT essay? Mm, Many of them don't look at it at all. Should I start incorporating this into my weekend practice tests if only to simulate test day or would that be a waste of time and energy? Huge waste of time and energy. Yeah, especially since on test day it's the last section you do so who cares how you feel. Yeah, you could be literally like drooling on the desk during that section. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't affect your LSAT score. You do have to do the essay um but you and and some schools might look at it but I would read the first sentence of it and that's it if I were the schools. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is follow the directions. Um, there's a whole thing. I don't know if you have this too, Ben, but in my free class, uh, which again is foxlsat.com slash free, 
one of the videos is me doing my like 10 or 15 minute shtick about the LSAT writing sample. Mm-hmm. And it, I all of this tell everybody that if you just look at that one video, that's all of the preparation you ever need to do for the writing sample. It's super easy. You must have a similar thing where you just do like I have the exact same thing. Yeah. People always ask about it too. And it's like, I've talked about it in three <laughs> or four classes before. And after the fourth time, I was just like, enough is enough. I have four videos on the same topic and it doesn't really need to be discussed anyway. So just go watch any one of those videos and you'll get the idea. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I like to do it live because it, it's like fun to do it in the class anyway. I have fun with my little spiel that I do about the the writing sample. But yeah, um, yeah. if you just watch that video, my video or Ben's video on the LSAT writing sample and literally, please literally never practice it. Not even once. Don't, don't write a practice one. Um, because the world's greatest writing sample is not worth one more LSAT point. Um, okay. My second question is regarding letters of recommendation. What should someone with weak references do? Mm, what? Get yeah. better references. What are you talking about? For some background, <clears throat> I graduated from undergrad five years ago and have not kept in touch with any professors. I did well in almost all of my classes, but because I was a dumb college student, I didn't take the time to form any kind of relationship with them, so I highly doubt any of them would remember me now. Since college, I worked for a life insurance company. Ugh, that's in the email. For about a year, and haven't kept in touch with any of my supervisors. I had an internship at a nonprofit for six months, then got an admin job that was plagued by lack of upward mobility and managerial problems, which severely lowered my motivation. I stayed in that role for three years, though, so I could pursue a part-time music career. That's been my most consistent role since college. I write and perform original music, do all my own booking and marketing, website and graphic design work. I'm really proud of what I've accomplished in the last few years, having grown a pretty sizable fan base, but the fact remains that it is irrelevant to getting in and attending law school. It has been and is a significant part of my life, but I'm not sure how to include that information. I'll just finish this, I guess. Uh, Yeah, go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say, I think that 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 experience is unique, I would assume, compared to most law applicants. I would talk about it in your personal statement. Right. So one thing that Anne always talks about is, you know, thinking the, considering the entire package that you're presenting, Mm -hmm. they're probably going to read your personal statement before they read your letters. Yeah. And so if you write about this, you know, writing and performing original music, doing your own booking and marketing, website, graphic design, growing this fan base, you know, that you've done it kind of as a one man show. Yeah. Um, then maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off of the um, the letters of recommendation. I do think... Um, can't you go back maybe and get one from a professor? Well, I don't think that most professors remember the people they write letters for. I think what they do is they look up their grades and they say, well, I gave you an A minus. That's what I thought of you then. 
So that's what I will write now. Yeah, and here's what an A minus means. I think the yep. professor can write broadly about. Uh, I mean, and hope you you want to pick a professor where you got an A or an A plus. Right? That's right. You got to find someone who's good. I'm just saying, like whatever your grade is, that's how they're going to yeah. decide. Some people. I, the only reason I mentioned that is some people say, well, I really connected with this professor and they, they really liked me. It's like, well, what grade did they give you? They gave me a B plus. <laughs> That's what they think of you academically, even yeah. if they love you as a person. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're applying for a job as a student. Yeah. And so they're going to have to write about what they think of you as a student, not what they think of you as a person yeah. alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So... But um, in this case, you know, uh, later that we get some data from mm. uh, this anonymous um, is is a GPA of three point four six. So that means that uh, anonymous has a significant number of A's, you know, a solid A's on that transcript. Mm-hmm. And you should be able to go back and reach back out to professors and. <clears throat> get them to write a letter, even if it's kind of generic. I mean, maybe you took two classes with the same professor and got A's in both of them. Even if you didn't have a relationship with them, then that means something now. And so you should be able, I would think, to rekindle the flame. The other thing is to always consider um, graduate assistant, graduate teaching assistants, mm-hmm. someone who, who read, led your uh, discussion group <clears throat> or your lab or whatever. Those people, if they gave you grades or if they graded your work, they are totally 100% appropriate to write letters of recommendation. So even if it's not a full professor, uh, a grad student who, yeah, who led your discussion section and gave you your grade, um, is maybe, maybe you did have a relationship with one of those graduate students. Um, okay. I've been working at a law firm since July as a data clerk, but don't know any of my supervising attorneys too well. I'm in a role where you're only really noticed if you mess up, and thankfully, I haven't. (laughs) God damn it, law firms are the worst. I know some attorneys who have offered to write me a letter of recommendation, but I didn't work for any of them. Well, then they can't write you a letter of recommendation. At my three-year job, I had a great relationship with my supervisor of a year and a half, but she wasn't my manager manager as she had no hiring, firing, discipline power. Well, wait a minute. Was she your supervisor or wasn't she? Yeah. If if she was your supervisor, then even if she can't like pull the trigger to fire you that day, she's still your boss. And that's totally fine. Yeah. This that looks like a promising lead there. I developed a good relationship with the manager that came on for about six months before I left. But again, I'm not sure how much good that would do me. What? So you worked for this person for six months. That's a long time. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Do you have any, I mean, a professor, you took a class for a semester, which was four months. So a manager who you, every single day, they were your boss for six months. Yeah, of course you can get a letter from that. Do you have any advice for someone like me or should I just aim to get my LSAT high enough that somewhat weak LORs won't matter much? Well, yes, you should get your LSAT as high as you want, but then you should also get the the best letters you can get. Yeah. Bunch of data I don't think really matters here. Um, Then not a question, but it could be interesting to bring on a woman counterpart for an episode. I've heard that being a woman in law school or an attorney 
brings about a different set of challenges, and I'd be interested in hearing from that perspective. Um, well, you could go back into the archives. Um, I mean, we will obviously <clears throat> have women on the show in the future, but two episodes spring to mind where we interviewed uh, a woman law student, Chantal Renta. She was the one that was talking about the tax implications of um, uh, student loan forgiveness. Yeah. And I did an interview also with my buddy, Nikki Black. Uh, she's an immigration attorney. So if you look at our archives and you could find those two episodes, but I mean, there's also other women on the show all over the place. And we will continue, of course, to have women on the show in the future. Uh, thanks. And I love your show anonymous. Sweet. Anything you want to add to that? No, thanks for writing. Yep. Next one. Fun thing I found out today when signing up for the December LSAT, I was planning on signing up Wednesday. I had Irvine Valley college IVC in my cart ready to check out, but decided to wait until payday today to cough up the dough. When I came back to sign up today, I saw that the five nearest venues near me were, quote, available, but not IVC, the one that he had originally signed up for. I thought that was odd, so I called LSAC. Sure enough, there was still availability, and I'm now signed up there. So I think the lesson is something like this. If you let the 24-hour window in which you've placed your preferred venue in your cart expire, the venue could, will show up as unavailable. Just FYI for your students asking about registration. Um, <laughs> I don't know about maybe. that hypothesis. But <laughs> <laughs> it's worth calling and asking if yeah. you really want to go somewhere. That's the lesson. The lesson is call LSAC. We should start giving out LSAC's phone number, Ben. Yeah, LSAC's phone number, um, it's annoying because their hours are a little constrained, but they are capable of answering a ton of questions that people ask us that are unique to that individual. And it's sort of just like, we'll call them. Yeah. Kids these days don't like to use the telephone. Um, I don't particularly like to use the telephone either, but especially when you get all of these, like, you know, um, electronic phone gauntlets that you have to go through. Sure. But LSAC doesn't really do that. And um, their websites are terrible. And they get, their emails are terrible and they give all sorts of weird conflicting information. But if you call them, good things happen. You um, know, it's, it's funny that their website is so bad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're absolutely no. right. Go ahead and call them and you can get some help. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think their website sucks so bad? I don't know. Cause they redid this like a couple years ago, right? You remember when they redid this and they reformatted all their books too. And they, it's like they brought somebody in and said, okay, let's let's rebrand LSAC. But it feels just like everything government, you know? Well, it, yeah, it has two, I mean, think about it. It's all a bunch of lawyers. Yeah. So it's built, it's built for protection. It's built, it's built to be an <laughs> impenetrable legal fortress. It's not built to be actually useful and helpful. Yeah. Um, you pay the LSAC so much goddamn money. Listeners, you sh- you really should not feel shy about calling them. You you should call them as much as you need to. They they should be more than willing to help you out. Um, this is a bit of a luxury product you've purchased. 
when you sign up for the LSAT. So, or when you're signing up for the LSAT. So if anything is seems strange or if you have any questions or if you, yeah, just want to check to see if there's a better site for you or something like that, absolutely call them. Why not? Hey, this is funny. I'm on their help page and it says they have an automated telephone system and then they had a they have a candidate services representative to telephone. <laughs> and um it's actually both the same phone number. That's not surprising, <laughs> but um I guess. So anyways, this is funny because it says our automated telephone system can answer most general questions and is available at all times except 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Sundays. So apparently there's even sometimes when their automated system needs to take a break. It goes to church Sunday morning. goes to church. There you go. Six, that's early church, man. But yeah, in any case, um, give them a call. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Who's next? What me? is this one? You? No, it's me. I don't know what this line is about. Um, I don't know where that happened. Okay, anyway. Um, Hey, Nathan and Ben. I am a huge fan of your podcast. Some would even say that I am a total groupie. Okay. However, while I love the podcast and am forever grateful that I found it, I have to admit that this LSAT prepping shit is not fun by any means. Nathan has mentioned that prepping gets, quote, fun. Well, Nathan, you might want to carefully examine your medical marijuana because I think you're smoking crack. I would rather stick pins in my eyes. Oh, okay. I mean, I get it. Funny joke, but you're, you're going to really struggle with the LSAT until you decide that it's fun. I mean, <laughs> if it really is like that, I mean, I know you are not literally going to stick pins in your eyes, but if that's how you feel about it, why are you doing it? What? Uh, Is that too much? I mean, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, life is short. What the fuck are you doing? If you don't want to do this, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's like people think that, oh, once I get past, the LSAT is super hard and it's miserable and I hate it. But once I get past the LSAT, it's all going to be better. No. <laughs> you, you there's a shocking amount of similarity between the LSAT and law school. Oh yeah, for sure. The way the law school thinks about the world is, is completely embodied in the LSAT. Think about Did you this. read Ben? Sorry, hmm. but did you read the judicial candor passages yet in the, in no, sorry. I'm going to okay. do that today. Actually, Well, but. it's one of those things where having been to law school makes you much better at understanding that passage. Yeah. So if you hate the LSAT, you're going to hate law school too. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm certain of that. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was just saying that, like, you know, sometimes I think people grapple with what is in fact true versus what the LSAT says is true. Sometimes they're saying, "Well, that's not true," or "That couldn't be true," and it's sort of like that doesn't really matter because on the LSAT you're just saying assuming these things are true what must be true on the basis of them right like the games are all silly i think it's easier for people to understand that but that that's exactly how law school is law school is like hey we don't necessarily care about whether or not the fact in this case is true 
We're just saying, assuming these facts are true or this legal precedent is valid, uh, what has to follow from that? Yeah. That's it. Wait until you get to the the judicial candor, Ben, the, this comparative reading, because, and we'll talk about it next time, because Ben mm. is promising that he's going to do it by the time we get to the <laughs> next show. I have to. We're doing it in class soon. So either I'll do it yeah. myself or we'll do it in class together. So Yeah. And um, he, I think one of the reasons why people hated it so much is because they can't believe there's, there is a, there's a, it's, it's kind of about suspension of disbelief and it's kind of about accepting things that aren't true. Yeah. And, and cool, I'm uh, excited already. Yeah. Well, so no, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, I totally thought they were interesting passages. Um, but anyway, if you're, that's kind of what you're talking about, right, Ben, like you have to be able to just accept premises, even if you don't agree with them in real life. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to say like, well, okay, if you say so, and okay, if you say so, that's your evidence. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Fine. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I am going to accept it 100% right now mm-hmm. so that we can yep. argue philosophically about it. And that's what the LSAT is on the logical reasoning. And that is exactly what law school is. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway. Um. Anywho, I won't bore or annoy you guys with questions that you've already answered a thousand times on your podcast, but I do have one request. Would you be so kind and read my attached personal statement? I would really appreciate any feedback you have. Uh, Do we do that? I don't think we do that. Oh, shoot. I think we said... Did we say we would do it and not do it? I think we said we would. I Oh, boy. Here it is. Um, it's this, oh, this right is one here. of your students anyway, Ben. Yeah. Oh, this is it. Yeah, there oh. it is. Okay. Well, well I guess we're going to do it then. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it. Wait, we have, and we do have permission to read it on the show, right? We do. Okay, great. All right. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's the fuck. Yeah, it is at the top <laughs> of this email, <laughs> but I must've pasted in there. One of us pasted in. Okay. Got it. Okay. Fantastic. So yes, we will read it and we will rip the shit out of it. That's going to happen pretty soon. Um, as, but the rest of this email continues, as you will note from my personal statement, I am a non-traditional applicant. I went back to school a couple of years ago, earning a BA in liberal studies from Rutgers university this past May. Congratulations. Happy graduation. I know it's not a fancy or exciting major like engineering rolling my eyes. But it is the only option to get me to graduation the fastest. Oh, and I will be 40 years old this month. Yeah, I'm too old, guys. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm old too, guys. Oh, not as old as me. I am in the process of applying to schools now and will be taking the LSAT this December for the second time. I'm currently enrolled in Ben's online class. And so far, I still hate the LSAT, but I'm hopeful. Oh, that, and then this. That reminds me, Ben, you need to get on social media. You're pretty popular with the ladies. See attached screenshot. And I can't remember what it was, but it was basically people really being groupies on Ben. (laughs) Ben, Ben, you're very popular, apparently, with the girls. We got that, and we got one other email, another one. Like We're kind of back-to-back, Ben, about how good-looking you are. (laughs) Um. Well, I guess I should be flattered, but um, 
Does your I wife listen to the this, show? Huh? Does your wife listen to the no, show? No, no, she does not. Okay, good. Uh, well, at least as far as I know. Uh, I forgot this email was in here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks in advance, uh, Rose. And then it says, hashtag LSAT is the devil's work. And Rose, I, you got to stop doing that. You, you are, um, you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy for yourself where you're going to, yeah, the LSAT's going to kick your ass. You need to befriend the scary giant. Uh, you're, you're not going to do well at this or not as well. If you continue to just let yourself hate, hate it. It's not, it's not getting you anywhere. Yeah. Um, Last I heard from Rose, she was doing a lot of the homework. So even good. if she hates it, she's putting in the time. So that's good, Rose. Keep it up. Yeah, um, and hopefully she'll start to enjoy it. I mean, like we always say, being good at things is fun. Yeah. And so get better at it. You'll start to realize it's fun, and that'll help you to get even better. Yeah. Should uh, we uh, read this personal statement? Yeah. I um I can see already you're going to have to make a lot of changes Rose. Okay. Want want me to should we read the whole thing or the first maybe take it one paragraph at a time? Yeah, let's take the first paragraph and see if because this is where a lot of people mess up, right? They just go way too much into background or whatever and yeah, they I help people I frequently here. tell people it's you know, hey, you got some usable stuff here, but you basically need to cut out the entire first page. Yep. I tell people that all the time. That's true. You Things know? start to get interesting like three paragraphs in. <laughs> right. We need to start way deeper into the story. Um, you know, not we don't need your grandmother and then your mom and then you. <laughs> we need you. Yep. So uh, anyway, I don't know what Rose's um, flaws are going to be, but there usually are several. So don't take any of this personally, Rose. You asked for it. So here it comes. Uh, Starts with a quote. May it please the court. Uh, Should we say her? Let's just say Rose, huh? Yeah, Rose. Okay. May it please the court, uh, Rose, on behalf of Jane Smith, end quote. I practice lines like this every day, semicolon, bad semicolon, imagining myself as an attorney, dot, dot, dot. Mm, You're not going to put an ellipsis like that in your personal statement. I can only think of one instance, and that instance is even bad. Um, When you're quoting something and you need to leave some phrases out, that's the only time you'd use an ellipse in a personal statement. And even then, you have to ask yourself, why are you quoting something? Why are you quoting anything, period? And then why are you choosing that quote where you have to put an ellipsis in the middle of it? Yep. I just don't see a place for this. I don't see a place for an ellipsis either. And I'm also going to tell Rose that her semicolon privileges have been revoked. Uh, You don't need to use any semicolons, Rose. Yep. Um, Okay. Sorry. Uh, A dream for sure, but one I am working relentlessly on becoming a reality. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. That needs to be making a reality. Yeah. I'm not. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, you're exactly right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're two sentences in and we got like three mistakes. You know, I don't, maybe this is a draft that Rose sent us. 
but shit like that is just not gonna fly that, that that's 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 big problems yeah i also hate the lead the lead is not good it the the only way this lead might be salvageable is if it were actually true <laughs> yeah exactly you like fantasizing what, about being arguing in front of the supreme court is not a good lead nope if you actually made an argument at, in a court somewhere, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. I thought that's where this was going to go, actually. I thought but that no. this was... It's a dream, yeah. and she's just practicing. She's she's practicing this. I practice lines like this every day. Why? What? You need to be practicing the LSAT and working on your personal statement. You don't need to be fantasizing about... Sorry. Okay. Now I'm being a dick. I... It's just, I don't know what people think. They they have like very misguided ideas about what this is supposed to be. Um. Okay, here here we go. Now, so cut all that for sure. It, it seems like just yesterday that my home economics teacher used me as an example of what not to do with your life. That would be a, a much better start. I mean, now we got a story. Yeah, now we're like, right? wait, what? What did your home economics teacher do? Still a little right. unclear how this will come back. To. Well, now I'm expecting a trans a story that's going to be a transformative story, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's great. So kill the fantasy opening. <laughs> it's like a dream <laughs> sequence there on the open. Yeah. We don't need that. And let's hear about you, like your actual real life. So your home ec teacher is using you as an example of what not to do with your life. I was 17 years old in my junior year of high school. When that unforgettable moment occurred, by the way, you don't capitalize high school. A Latina mother of a one and a half year old and pregnant with my second child. It was right there. And then that I realized that my mother was right. People were going to label me as just another statistic. Not only did I remember verbatim what the teacher said, but I can still remember the look of disappointment and judgment on the faces of my fellow classmates. I just make a note here. If you're going to remember verbatim what the teacher said, why don't you put verbatim what the teacher said instead of paraphrasing and then saying, I remember verbatim what the teacher said. Yeah. You could just go ahead and direct quote Uh, the teacher there. Uh, anyway, the feeling of failure overwhelmed me at that moment. I was taunted by students in the halls whispering, there goes the girl with the two kids and pointing fingers as I walked by doing my best to avoid them, but to no avail. I never felt so out of place and unwelcomed. For many years, I allowed the opinions of others to cripple my confidence and my ambitions. My insecurities led me into several unhealthy relationships wherein I allowed my emotional well-being to be abused. I lost sight of what was important to me. Uh, Sorry, I lost sight of what was important. Me, my children, and our future. Through all this, I struggled emotionally and physically to keep up with studies while living on my own, working full-time, and caring for two small children with very little help. Indeed, I fell short several times. However, thankfully, God has rewarded me with two amazing young men. My oldest son is presently a Lance Corporal in the United States Marine Corps, and currently deployed in Japan, and my second son is currently attending community college and preparing to enroll in the United States Air Force. 
That's the first paragraph. Yeah. Thoughts? Big picture? Small picture? Um, I actually think, so when, when Rose started talking about what this incident that happened when she was 17 years old, I was skeptical that it would be valuable for a personal statement. A lot of people tend to go back to their high school years, whereas law schools are most interested in what has happened in college and since. But I feel like given the obviously long-term impact of her choices at this age, um, this does seem totally relevant to her life and who she is now. So I feel like this story is valuable and insightful for those who are considering her for law school, but I think it also could be done faster. I think that we could have the quote from the teacher and then sort of quickly get into um, how she felt about that and then to where she is now. Right. It's a long ass paragraph and it has um, not enough specific detail. It has way too much broad general, like for many years I allowed the opinions of others to cripple my confidence and my ambitions. Well, you're telling me that, but you're not showing me any like real thing that happened in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, My securities led me into several unhealthy relationships. Like what? Huh? Um, I I struggled emotionally and physically, but how I fell short several times. Okay. Can we hear about one of them? It's, it's too much, right? It's too telling and it's too broad. Yeah. And and it's not like one detail goes a long, long way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the same time, I don't know how much she wants to focus on that. So maybe some of the things just need to be cut and then kind of move into the fact that it was hard and then move from that into where she's at now and then how this relates to why she's going to law school and what her plans are and things like that. I mean, I I would stick with the, the two kids in high school is pretty vivid. That is very vivid. Mm -hmm. And, and you don't need to then go. I don't think you then need to go into the additionally, the unhealthy relationships and, struggling emotionally and physically. I don't, none of that is really doing anything. Like we already feel your pain the second you're pregnant with your second kid at 17. Yeah. And, and the, the, I love the home ec teacher telling you that you're, a, you know, I, I want to know that exact quote from the home ec teacher, I think could be great. Yeah. But, um, and then, then I also need more, I need more like her doing things. Mm-hmm. because the, you know, God has blessed me with or rewarded me with two amazing young men. I mean, okay. She's proud of her sons. Her sons are successful. Are her sons applying to law school? Because, you know, if so, then it's relevant, but if not, then I don't really know that this, it needs to be Rose. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. I don't necessarily have a problem with, saying what's happened with her two children since I think it has this underlying message that 
she's overcome. I mean, the fact that they're doing well suggests that despite the challenges that she almost certainly faced, um, she helped them succeed. So I think it does reflect on Rose. I would just do that to sort of wrap up any concerns that law schools might have about the situation and then start turning your focus back on Rose for sure. Like, okay, why, why are you going to law school now? What's, what's led you to this point given how far along you are in life and, you know, what's happened so far? Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying don't include the stuff about the sons. Oh, okay. I'm just saying you really need to include some stuff about Rose. Yes. Who is Rose? What is Rose going to do for us when she comes to school? Yeah. So I think we both agree that this paragraph needs to be a lot shorter and then needs to quickly move into where yeah. or why law school now. <laughs> yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you read the second paragraph? Ben? Sure. Motherhood has had some challenging moments, but given my circumstances, I feel confident that I have raised two amazing young men who will continue on with their success. I think that's already been shown by what you just said, so unnecessary. Now that they are adults and carrying out their dreams, I I am able to focus on carrying out mine. In 2015, I made the decision to finish college, so I applied to Rutgers University and was accepted. After two years of working two demanding jobs, and attending full-time classes at Rutgers, I was able to graduate in May of 2017. Okay, um, this feels like stuff that should all be obvious on your resume. Well, they're, they've got your Rutgers transcript in their hand. Yeah. So I, I think they know you applied to Rutgers, and mm-hmm. I think they know you were accepted to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. The thing they don't know is the two years of working two demanding jobs while attending full-time classes at Rutgers. And that could be the heart of your personal statement, potentially. That could be. Yeah. I mean, because that's like, hey, here's what you're getting. Like, mm -hmm. here's, here's what I was when I was 17. Here's what I am now. Yep. That, that could work. All right. Let's see the next sentence. While all of my grades were not what I desired... It was never from a lack of effort. I don't know if you want to say that. Yeah, I tried as hard as I can, but I still didn't do very well. That's not a good story to tell. Yeah. I need them to keep assuming that the demanding jobs are what prevented you from getting the high grades. Yeah, and and if if you are going to... I mean, you probably do. If your grades aren't great, you probably need to acknowledge... You need to write an addendum about those jobs. For sure. Yeah. So maybe that's not the, maybe that's not your personal statement, but I mean, it's not appropriate to be trying to explain away bad grades during your personal statement. Yeah. This is supposed to be like a sales pitch for you. Yep. Life presents challenges and at times reality can interfere with your ambitions. Blanket platitude. But I have come to realize through it all, that I was put on this earth to serve a purpose. Easy to say. Everyone can say that. Yep. If you take a sentence that everyone can say, you don't want to say it. Yeah. That purpose is to help others who are in need and who, who cannot help themselves. That's also another platitude. As an attorney, I will dedicate my life to fulfill that purpose. This mission is now my reality. Unfortunately, anyone and could say that 
Well, and everyone does say that. And everyone does, and no one believes them. (laughs) No, they have a pile of these things that look like 100% bullshit. Everybody's going to help people in need. Everybody's, I mean, it it comes off like one as um, they've heard it all before. They have a pile of applications that say that. And two, um, it comes off as naive, too. Because it's like, wait, you're not here to make money? You're not here to get a big law job you you think you're going to help people in need <laughs> you know and they're they're like they're rolling their eyes at that yeah and not that they're not good people and not that of course lawyers can actually help people in need but when that's your just vague general thing i'm going to help those who can't help themselves yeah all right and we're not saying we don't believe that you believe that the problem right, is that right. you need to think much more about what you're getting yourself into and whether this is a realistic path. Like if your goal is to help others who are in need and cannot help themselves by paying thousands of dollars for the next three years of your life to become an attorney who then has debt and has to pay it back that debt, even if you get scholarships, because even if you get scholarships, you're still going to have to pay for your life and living. So you're basically preventing yourself from earning money and you're not going to be working for a long time. And then when you're done, you still have to provide for yourself somehow. Yet there are not a lot of jobs in which attorneys are really helping others who cannot help themselves. Attorneys help people who can help themselves, which is why they've hired you. Um, It's a sad reality, but that's just, that's the way the world works. So I, yeah, I don't know. There there are government lawyers, you know, I mean, there, there are, there are public service lawyers. I was in, in and out of a bunch of courtrooms yesterday over in Monterey park, um, for this volunteer thing that I'm doing, but there were, it was, I thought um, it was going to be for your, uh, your medical marijuana (laughs) (laughs) shit. No, that's legal, man. Um, uh, the, the, there, you know, there were, um, these family cases going and, um, I got to like observe a little bit in the, in the courtroom and yeah, you know, there's, there's families there and there's a attorney for mom and an attorney for dad and an attorney for the kid. And they're all state appointed, um, you know, or I don't know, county court. I don't know exactly where the budget comes from. Um, but yeah, you know, those, so, so there are, there are jobs like that. They don't pay super well and it's not worth going $200,000 in debt. I don't think to have one of those jobs. Yeah. There's lots of things you can do to help that don't require a JD. Yeah. So that, I don't know. I mean, Rose needs to have a heart to heart with herself here. I mean, what is her specific plan for helping those who are in need and who cannot help themselves as an attorney? She says she's going to dedicate her life to it. And even though she thinks she's old, I mean, at 40, you've got still hell of a lot of life ahead of you. And you are going to dedicate your life to fulfill that purpose. Okay, fine. I believe you, but I am very skeptical that law school is actually going to do this for you. Yeah. 
At least so far. I haven't heard a real I haven't heard any kind of like realistic plan yet. Yep. Okay. Was that the second paragraph? That was. We move on. The concept of college, yet alone law school, was not my primary focus for many years. I have come to realize that on some level, I was probably afraid to look too far down the road and see a future where failure was a possibility. To be sure, inherent in any significant life choice is a degree of risk. Rather than seek to avoid those risks, I now realize that risks are the essence of life. With this in mind, and with the encouragement of my family and close friends, I have rededicated myself to maximizing my potential and embracing the challenges that may stand in my way. As part of this process, I began to assess my skills, strengths, and even my weaknesses to determine how I best how I can best achieve my goals. I am confident that a legal education will be the next step in this journey. I don't see anything in that paragraph that I would keep. Nope. There's not a single detail in there. Uh, like there's not, I mean, uh, it's a fact, I guess, that your family and close friends are encouraging you. Um, I would ask if they are lawyers. And if they're not, I, I don't know that you should be listening to their encouragement about law school. Um, you know, my mom was super proud of me when I was going to law school and it, it was a big mistake for me to go to law school. Yeah. But, but my, yeah, my family was very supportive. My friend, wow, you know, everybody's impressed. Wow. Nathan, he's a lawyer. Always knew he's a smart guy. That's great. Fantastic. So proud of you. And it was the worst decision I ever made. So it really was. I mean, financially, it was a fucking disaster. You know, what's so funny about that. As you say that I'm thinking about that reaction, right? And I think that reaction comes from just our culture that views still views attorneys and doctors with this, you know, and I don't know if I should even group those two professions together because doctors are still doing something <laughs> for people, but, um, the views, those professions with, you know, just such awe. And if you're going down that path, it must be a good path. And then I think about when I started, teaching the LSAT and I was explaining to people that, oh yeah, um, I am teaching for myself. You work for a company? No, no, I just do it myself. Um, okay. Well, that's interesting. You know that, uh, once you start doing something, um, you may not be able to, uh, change paths as you, you know, as life goes along. <laughs> I mean, basically the whole reaction to me telling people that I was just teaching the LSAT was like, hmm, interesting, you know, it's exactly <laughs> yeah, that's the opposite, which is every cocktail party I ever go to or every time you meet a stranger, right? <laughs> it's, the, it's the worst being an LSAT teacher. Talk about a conversation killer. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, I teach the law school admission test. Now you get like, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no interesting. Idea. Or yeah, you must be at like Kaplan or something. No, yeah. no, I do it myself. Oh, you, you know, it's like I can't believe you would. My family was sort of like, I can't believe you'd take that kind of risk and all this stuff. And it's <laughs> like I can't imagine being an attorney at a law firm right now. But if I had done that, 
of course, everyone would have been like, oh, yeah, Ben just got hired at this firm. Can you believe it? Yeah, let's Facebook it, you know? It's just, yeah. um, I don't know. I never see him. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm sure he's doing great things. Uh, I don't know. He's I mean, an alcoholic I'm... now and he's divorced, <laughs> but... <laughs> We're so proud of him, though. He's such a successful lawyer. And plus, his friend was a divorce attorney, so they just worked it out. Yeah. No, I mean, I and I don't mean to um, uh, <laughs> say negative things about my family, but there definitely was hesitation. And they didn't, like, not support me, but it was sort of like, huh? And um, now I think they're like, wow, uh, you know, this is something that can work, and it's cool to see that you're doing something that you like to do. But in any case, my point here is that it's just funny how people react to different things and their preconceived notions of what's good or bad for uh, everyone in terms of It's totally career. because of the culture and because of movies and stuff. I went and saw uh, Marshall. Yeah. Have you seen this? No, you know, I haven't, you know. but I want to see it. Yep. It was a really good movie. Um, and I immediately... I was, you know, I was inspired by it. It, yeah. it was, uh, it was, uh, it was great to get this, like, you know, another picture of Thurgood Marshall. And yeah, I mean, what a badass that guy was. Yeah. But uh, I walked out of the theater. All I could think about was, oh my God, this is going to send another giant wave of people <laughs> just to go get ripped off. I, yeah. I, I feel like the, it, like that type of movie just absolutely perpetuates this giant scam that the law schools are running. Yeah. You know, if you, if you think you're look at Rose's personal statement, the first line of her current personal statement, she is literally fantasizing about being like doing that kind of work. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're not, that's not what's in the cards for the vast majority of 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 applicants are you are not going to set foot inside of a courtroom yep and and if you do you are not going to be doing this kind of lofty arguing you're going to be you're going to be in the trenches i mean like you're going to be defending people who have dui you know (laughs) potentially or like this family court stuff right i mean they're they're there there needs to be it's a court proceeding there needs to be an attorney for mom there needs to be an attorney for dad there needs to be an attorney for the kid there's a judge there but they were like hammering through these cases and it was just bang 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 like setting things for the calendar and getting the next thing and doing the next thing and doing the next thing and it was nothing at all about it's just not like what you see in the movies and it's not like what you see on tv yeah and and it's there's a lot of good people working in the system and there are jobs that you can get but i want to know exactly what job rose is going to get yeah Uh, otherwise she should just not be paying for law school um hey so i should probably get going soon so maybe we should do this last paragraph and then wrap it up perfect perfect yes cool so you Yeah. For the past 13 years, I've been content with my career choice as a paralegal. It was not until a conversation I had with my, with a senior attorney in my office who made me realize I was content with mediocrity. He recognized the love I have for the law and encouraged me to leave my comfort zone and to take risks that would normally be out of the realm of possibilities. 
To that end, the goals that I once thought were unachievable are now my primary focus. My passion for law is endless, and my inquisitiveness to learn more about it enhances every day. Okay, this paragraph is filled with a lot of platitudes that could be cut, but the thing that's so funny about this paragraph is that this is the first time where I'm like, wait, she's getting a vote of confidence from someone who knows her and knows the law. There must be more to this story, and it needs that needs to be the focus of this personal statement. It's exactly like what we said in the beginning. Things don't get started until the third or fourth paragraph, yeah. and here's something starting, and then the parag- and then the statement ends. And it's like, yeah. wait, what have you been doing for this attorney? Yeah. Why do they think that you should be pursuing law school? What does this attorney see you doing? Do you see yourself doing what this attorney sees you doing? Um, if so, that's what you should be writing about. Yeah, absolutely. I also would love to know if this attorney, I mean, is the firm going to pay for your JD? Yeah. That happens sometimes. And if if that's the case, you know, if you've really got a champion like that who is willing to not just encourage you, but actually, you know, someone who really, they have the money. Put your money where your mouth is, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the, you should be having that conversation with this senior attorney. You should be saying, hey, you know, I can't, I just can't, I just can't spend $200,000 on this thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm only going to do this if I can go for free somehow. So I'm going to try to get a scholarship, you know, and, and make it, but because for you, for Rose, boy, please do not go $200,000 into debt for this thing. Yep. I agree with you, Ben. That last paragraph is the one that made me start to think that maybe there's something here that might convince me that Rose should be a lawyer. Yeah. And that's part of what you're supposed to get across in the personal statement. Mm-hmm. You know, there because I'm, I'm assuming based on the tone, based on the email, I mean, based on, based on, I, it sounds like already her grades aren't great. Mm-hmm. She's taking your class so she can improve her LSAT a lot, but I'm, I'm assuming that she's not going to end up with a 175. Mm-hmm. Based on, uh, based on the email, um, <clears throat> I, you have to convince, you know, they, they need to believe in you as a lawyer because they get a lot of emails that or they get a lot of personal statements that sound like this. Yeah. So you need to make the case for you. What are you going to bring? What are you going to give to them? As Ben was talking about earlier when he was talking about the deal, mm-hmm. what are you bringing to this deal? And then part of that is a compelling case for you as I'm going to be a successful lawyer. Mm -hmm. And that's not just telling them that your passion for law is endless. Everyone says that. Everyone can say that. It means nothing. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear, yeah, details. What do you do at work? How long? 13 years as a paralegal. Yeah. There's got to be some interesting stuff to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah. But we need specifics, not we need to hear what you have done. How have you kicked ass? Mm-hmm. If I can hear about Rose kicking ass as a paralegal and the senior attorney in her office saying, hey, Rose, boy, you really got to go to go to law school. Yeah, that's a much better story to tell, I think. Yeah. OK, um, so we will wrap it up there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Ben, sorry uh, if I kept you long today. No, no worries. Email the show, uh, help at thinkinglsat.com, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks.